0: Jenna
1: and I'm Sam
0: and you're listening to
1: Cincinnati Zoo Tales hi everybody I'm Sam
0: and I'm Jenna and we are here with Cody Sowers today
1: hey guys Cody welcome to Cincinnati Zoo Tales thanks for having me this is cool (laughs) cool cool yeah so Cody you are part of our bird team correct you are the head keeper yes
2: I'm one of the two head keepers in the Cincinnati Zoo bird department so how did you get started with birds uh, birds, birds is kind of funny. Um, so I have always liked birds. Always liked birds. Uh, um, in fourth grade, I ended up doing a a red-tail hawk pro- like project. Really random. Um, but my dad knew a falconer, and so he brought a red-tail hawk out to our property. I grew up in the middle of nowhere, out in Vinton County, Ohio. Um, on a farm and he brought a red tail hawk out and he flew it around it was like the coolest that was was my wow moment you know like birds are awesome you know fast forward many years I really like birds you know and I'm I find myself working at SeaWorld San Diego um I'm an educator and I'm like oh I'm gonna apply for a bird job and I ended up applying for the wrong job I thought I was applying for birds of prey and flamingos and parrots In reality, I applied for penguins.
0: (laughs) Who (laughs) applied for the wrong job? (laughs) Yeah, right?
2: Yes. No, I totally did. I I applied for the wrong job. I didn't realize that until about halfway through the interview. Uh, The bird curator at that time, she was going through all this penguin-related stuff. And about halfway through, I'm like, hey, I I have to ask you, but why are we talking about penguins? (laughs) She's like, well, this is a penguin job. And I'm like, oh, well, I thought I was applying for the avian center, which is birds of prey, which is flamingos and all these other, you know, things that fly. And she's like, oh well, that job was open too. Uh, looks like you applied for the penguin job, and you know, you'd be really good for this other job. I'm like, great, well, you know, can I just interview for that as well? She's like, no, it's closed. Back to penguins. <laughs> and I I left the interview, honestly. I got out in the parking lot, I called my wife, like we were just freshly married. And I'm like, I'm the biggest idiot on the planet. I applied to the wrong job. And, and my wife's like, oh, everything's fine. You know, That evening I got a phone call. Hey, do you want to work with penguins? And I was like, yeah, let's, I don't know anything about penguins. Let's do this. And the big bummer of that was I was a year-round part-time educator, which you know how it is in the zoo world. You 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 don't just jump into a full-time job how everybody thinks we do. Uh, it's like you're a seasonal, you're a temporary, you're a year-round part-time. Like there's things like that. So I was a year-round Year-round part-time educator, and I was applying for a season. I got hired as a seasonal bird keeper. So it was like either this is going to go really cool, or it's not going to work at all. And so I rolled the dice, and here I am. <laughs> yeah. Thought
0: they hired you, but really, like. Anyone who doesn't even apply or fill out an application correctly doesn't get a job these days. Right? They're like, well, you didn't really come here for the right reason, but uh, we'll give you a job. Yeah. Well, (laughs)
2: it's it's funny. Like I I always tell our interns and our our you know um, seasonals and stuff. Like I don't think I could get into being a zookeeper now. Like it's so hard. I I wouldn't go through the process. Like kudos to everybody that's doing that right now because it's super difficult and super competitive. Like when I applied here in 2008, I was one of like 300 candidates. That's crazy to think about, you know. But you know, luckily, you know.
1: Isn't there like a crazy stat that more people are drafted into the NFL each year than become? So oh yeah, oh believers. yeah. That sounds, that sounds yeah. right. I yeah.
2: mean, I, yeah, I would believe that. You know, like, it's it's fascinating, like how many people want to do this job, and it make you know. That's one thing I try not to take for granted because you do get desensitized to it. But yeah, that's a uh, the quick and dirty of how
1: how I became it. <laughs> well, you must gamer. be a great interviewer. <laughs> 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 yes, yeah, like... right. Uh, Yeah, I I like to think that. No, but funny thing,
2: my best interview ever—I didn't get the job. Okay, I applied at 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 another zoo in San Diego. uh, Well, obviously the Wild Animal Park, um, the part of the San Diego Zoo Global stuff. But best interview ever for an educator. I walked out of that interview like, and I looked at everybody on the couch and was like, "Yeah, you guys (laughs) totally didn't get that job. I just nailed it, you know? Like that's mine." And they're like, "Yeah, sorry to inform you, you didn't get the job." I was devastated. I was like, "What? Like, huh?" But I was also naive too to how zoos actually you know hire people. I didn't right. think it was that competitive
1: because you know you just think oh nobody wants to work with birds. I'm like, oh. <laughs> you also applied for the right position that time. So that's, uh, yes, that's, yeah, that's probably yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my mistake. Yeah. So so in case you haven't been able to catch on yet, we have Cody here today because we're going to be talking about penguins. I'm sure a little other bird information will get mixed in there. But we've had a lot of changes this past year with the bird program and with our penguin habitats around the zoo, um, mostly with the penguin point that we have, and then also with the little blue construction down in Roo Valley. So it's, yeah. it's been really exciting to see the projects come because they've been in the works for a few years now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's been incredibly stressful. Uh, lots of meetings, as you guys can imagine, but it's been really good. It's been awesome to see, you know, those areas transform into what they are now. Um, I feel they are, I would put them up there with some of the best penguin exhibits in the world. And we're already starting to see it. I, I assumed when, after we built them that it would turn into other zoos would come and talk to us like, hey, like, we see what you guys have done. How did you do it? Like, what, like how do we get there? And other zoos are already contacting us like, hey, tell us about your exhibit. You know, we're building an exhibit in a couple of years. What, what did you do? What did you like? What did you dislike? So that's been really fascinating for me, you know, being part of that, like, and myself, the other headkeeper, Ricky, our curator, Jenny, and then with all of the facilities team and, you know, uh, uh, our architect team, you know, all, all of the folks, there's so many people involved in exhibit design, which is really kind of hurts your head when you sit in meeting after meeting <laughs> after meeting, but it's been fantastic and it's been so awesome for those birds. I mean, it's been fantastic.
0: We recently um, interviewed Ellie and talked about the new kangaroo exhibit and how stressful it can be to start a new habitat and all yeah. of that and how we asked you know did you reach out to other keepers to learn about kangaroos in order to take you know better care of them or Mm -hmm. since it's new penguins aren't new to you guys yeah but as far as building it for the facilities did you reach out to anyone else or did did the cincinnati zoo kind of make this leap into a more progressive habitat for them Mm -hmm. and that's why other zoos are coming to us or where did you guys get the ideas yeah
2: so a, a lot of it was there was a lot of research Hey, let's let's look at all of these different penguin exhibits and see what we like and what we dislike. Um, the old little penguin exhibit, I hated it. Um, I wanted to swing the first hammer when we <laughs> tore that down. Uh, Did they uh, let you? No, uh, no, because no, honestly, it, it came down so quick. I don't know if you guys were here that day, but when they started taking that building down, like I walked out in the morning, I'm like, oh, they're tearing the building down. I, oh, well, like, this is cool. By the end of the day, it was gone. Wow. I was like, wow, you know, good riddance. See you later. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, we, we did a lot of research. Um, myself and Ricky, we've got a lot of penguin experience. Jenny has a lot of penguin experience. And for us to be involved in that design process, I think was really cool. I mean, for me personally, I was really excited about that. Um, but to say like, here's what I like about certain exhibits, like places I've worked or places I've seen, and here's what I think works well. And like, the shallow exit out of the pool uh, you know it's a kind of a beach exit you know if i build a swimming pool at my house i would love to have that just gentle slope down right. into the water where it's not just a drop off right that'd be cool and that's kind of what we did with the little penguin exhibit and also with the african penguin exhibit too and th- that one was a little bit more of a challenge because it was a former sea lion pool and then we're changing that over to a penguin thing so it a lot of changes had to happen to that but overall um, they're both fantastic
0: yeah, I love the look of the little blue penguin. Yeah. You can just be eye-level with them swimming. I mean, you can with the African penguin, too, but yeah. you can actually overlook the glass that's containing the little blues. Absolutely, yeah. You can come so close, and I love now, my favorite thing is that you guys are giving them live fish in there. There's yeah. That's the coolest oh, thing yeah. to watch. There's a video out. You guys can look it up probably on the Cincinnati Zoo's YouTube page. For sure. Or you could scroll through Facebook. But are there a lot of new enrichment and, like, different feeding opportunities because of the, the changes you've made? Yeah,
2: absolutely. The, the live fish was a big one. Um, our little blue penguin colony, we've never had access to do that. Um, the way the pool was set up and uh, we all kind of were like, yeah, I don't really think these guys are going to even recognize that as food. Um, so the first day we did it, I just thought, oh, I'm going to put the live fish in. They're going to look cool in the pool. You know, that's pretty much it. You know, Right? Um, we put the bag of live fish in the pool and all of the birds started eating them. And it was the craziest thing I've ever seen where it's like, these guys have never hunted for food in their lives. And here they are immediately, boom, hunting fish. That was the coolest thing. Like that, that was fantastic. And that
0: makes me so happy. It's us working to be more progressive, giving animals even better care than we already were. Yeah. And... Uh, the, it's an incredible guest experience to watch them move through the water like yeah. that. And oh, yeah.
1: They're just like little torpedoes. They, they, they are. Yeah, little blue torpedoes
2: for sure. You know, And with guest experience too, like seeing them up close in a way you've never seen them before. With the old exhibit, you had to look down over top of right. them. Yep. Now this one, you're looking, they're eye level, they're swimming by you. You can see a lot of different stuff. But then also with African Penguin Point, uh, what we're doing coming this spring, summer, when we get into our more summer season, the plan is to do a... like quote-unquote behind the scenes it's kind of behind the scenes i don't like a vip or yeah the, the terminology day will
1: be day of, day experience. of experiences yeah. we're working on it yeah, yeah. But, but
2: we will have a penguin feeding you know it there's also going to be the the great white pelicans and also the cormorants as well so they'll probably be mixed into it as well you know the pelicans are definitely going to be interested in their gigantic weird dinosaur looking things but we're going to throw fish in and they're going to go for it too so that's going to be coming down the pipe too and that's that's a really cool experience, not only for the birds, but also for zoo guests, which will be fantastic.
0: Right. And, and, and like we like to say here, we, we love bringing guests close enough to care Absolutely. and want to make a difference. So, yeah. uh, the better we're doing for the animals, it's actually better for the guests also. Yeah. And for their wild counterparts ultimately is our hope oh, and yeah. goal, right?
2: Well, that is the whole point of zoos that we, we need to be ambassadors or our animals are ambassadors for their cousins and their natural habitat. That's a super important role, you know, and that's, one thing that I always try to remind myself, like, regularly, like, and also, like, as Gary Dinsler, the former guy of the Bird Show, like, he always had that sign up in the Bird Show theater that said, like, or I think it was a sign, but it was, like, um, think that, think of your crowd as it's, like, somebody in the crowd has seen your show for the first time, and I try to remind myself that. Right you know, of like every time I'm at work or I'm talking to a zoo guest like, hey, maybe this is their first time here. Maybe they've never seen a blue penguin. Maybe they've never seen an African penguin. That's a good
0: point because the zookeepers were like, Repeating the things we say, the facts, like everyone knows that yeah. hippos can do this and this, but actually not everybody knows that just because yeah. we told one person doesn't mean you right. have told right. them all.
2: Yeah, uh,
1: my kids can do a keeper talk about penguins <laughs> for sure,
2: you know, because they've heard it enough, but they don't even like penguins.
1: So. I, mean, I, I get that a lot on the tours, right? Yeah. That might be like the 500th tour that I've gone through this year and the yeah. information doesn't change, but people's reactions are always different. So Absolutely. that's, you know, that's what makes it is because yeah. this is new information or it might not be new information, but presented in a new way that they didn't think about before. And it just kind of opens up their, their mind and yeah. they have that aha moment or that yeah. wow moment that you had with the red tailed hawk. Uh huh. Yeah. Fantastic. So how many little penguins do we have right now? So we have the largest colony in North America yeah.
2: I mean that kind of ebbs and flows uh, from year to year. But right now we, we are, I believe. We have uh, right around 32 with our two new chicks that hatched out this year. Um, So that's a pretty cool thing for us, you know, getting two chicks. I always like to say that every single chick that we get, like no matter what season it is, if if we get one penguin chick, that's a successful year. I mean, not all years, you can have six or seven chicks, you know, like years past, we've had a lot, but changing to a new exhibit, a new holding space, um, it was a little bit of a challenge because now everything's brand new. So breeding season, I didn't expect anything. I expected us to not have any chicks. I thought we might get a few eggs, but I'm like, eh, I'm not really expecting anything. Um, but we ended up getting two chicks out of that. And that's that's a success. And so right, right around 32 birds for that species. That's a, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, the cool thing with our new holding space, it's gigantic. So. We tried, you know, coming up with the exhibit design and holding design, it's like, oh, 50 birds, that would be that'd be a good number. Wow. Um, we can go way bigger than that. Um, it's wow. it's a big space. I mean, it, I don't think we have an upper cap, honestly. So, okay. I mean, we've, we've got a lot of time to kind of <laughs> just go, you
0: know,
1: hey, do your thing, little penguins, you know. We've um, got a home to grow into, Right. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure.
0: What's their status in the wild, and can you tell us just a little bit about their natural history, where yeah. they're from? A lot of people assume oh, yeah, penguins for sure. are from... Cold weather, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, that that's a
2: good point. Um, little penguins, they are from Australia and New Zealand, so they like the warmer climate. Hence, why they're not outside right now today, and the the blizzard that we have going on here in Ohio, um,
0: February twenty twenty one. <laughs> <recording laughs> this one, yeah. our, our podcast <laughs> yeah. got a uh, Yeah, there up. you so <laughs> go. Yeah, we trying to give a little reference. Somebody's gonna
1: two. be listening to this in June and be yeah. like, <laughs> I'm "What I miss?" Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh,
2: but yeah, they like warmer climates. Um, so they're they're a little bit different than what you think of when you think of penguins. Because, you know, 17 species of penguins worldwide, about five of them need snow and ice. Everybody else is in a warmer climate. Um, but you always think of snow and ice when you think of penguins. And, you know, you can blame, like, Coca-Cola for their commercials about that or whatever. But, yeah, it's it's always uh, an interesting thing with that. You know, oh, there, why is a penguin outside in the summer? You know, African penguins are the same thing. They're from South Africa. So it's super warm there. You know, there's a beach. It's It's nice. It's not that... Harsh environment, that high Antarctic, you know, uh, emperor penguin, Adelie penguin, Chinstrap penguin that need the snow and ice. But little penguins though, um, smallest penguin species on the planet. They get about 16 inches tall and about 2.2 pounds at their heaviest. They're really goofy looking. Um, a lot of times they're called like a little blue penguin, little penguin, fairy penguin. Uh, all those are the same, same thing. Um, it's just wherever you are in the world as to what they call them. We call them little penguins here. Um, but really, really cool species. Um, I feel very fortunate to be able to work with them, especially work with the largest colony. That's that's pretty cool, and it's it's awesome with our colony because we started with, I want to say, six of those guys in the late '90s. Wow! And now we're up to thirty-two. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, that's that's a really really cool thing for us. I mean, we've we've hatched out a lot. I've hand raised a lot. You know, like there's, it's it's very intense, but you know, it's I think we've done a really good job with that species.
0: What's their status? In the oh, water, their status—they—they
2: right? are of least concern okay. under the IECN standards. So. Okay. so
0: it's just interesting. People don't know much about them, and they aren't in many zoos, right? Yeah, they're not. So, yeah, but that doesn't have to do with the—we actually aren't too concerned about them at this point, which is weird to say about any animals because we're kind For of concerned sure. about all of them. But, yeah, yeah. Um, do you know why they're rare in zoos?
2: Um, It's—it has a lot to do with Australia. Okay, um, you know, like in getting animals from Australia, you know, that, that there's a sense. lot of process, you know, involved with that. Um, and yeah, they were just a species that a lot of people just didn't really dive into. And I, I think honestly, after working with them for the time I have here, I think they are a little bit different than other penguin species. Um, they're a little bit more resistant to change. There's, there's a, you have to manage them a little bit differently. And I think sometimes if folks view them a certain way, like, oh, I'm going to treat these little penguins like an African penguin, then they're going. They're setting themselves up for failure. Honestly, um, so it's a little bit harder to do.
1: You know, it's, it, but it's kind of like if you think of koalas. You don't see koalas everywhere either, you right? Know? That it's makes just sense. One of those kind of species. Yeah. Is, is it true that the Australian government has to come over to, or an official has to inspect in some way before they allow little blues to be part of your facility? So
2: we do have to go through a paperwork process, and we do have to submit photos of what our exhibit looks like, what our holding space looks like. And all that stuff. And we actually are just doing that because we are planning on bringing in some more um, here in the future. Um, so we're kind of going through that that process right now, which has been very interesting.
0: Which is respectable on what they should do. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. all, all zoos should be checked out before. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. like we should all be held to standards. Yeah, so you
2: that's... don't want like Bob's Sideshow Zoo. And, you know, out on Route 32, you know, like, yeah, I applied, and I got I got the permit to get these birds from Australia, right. right? That'd be weird.
1: Personally, I think you should give the pitch in person, and they should pay for your flight to Australia. Yeah, that you would know, be cool. And you should be able to take your whole family, you know, make an event I, I of it.
2: Twist my arm, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it is really cool, though, like, the, the last time we did any sort of importation with little penguins, we worked with a zoo from Australia, so it's not like a bunch of wild birds get rounded up, and you bring them over. It's from zoo to zoo just like nobody's going out and catching penguins in their natural habitat to put them in zoos anymore that just doesn't brought that
0: up yeah it it doesn't it doesn't need to happen anymore mm -hmm. we've mentioned it before but yeah we follow the species um wow
2: ssp yes yeah (laughs) Yeah. 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 it's because you're talking about penguins that's all right yeah (laughs) the
0: species survival plan that i couldn't think of uh yeah so we're making sure that everything is done responsibly for
2: sure and the, la- the last time we did it, it was really cool for me. So, again, I started my career at SeaWorld San Diego. And when we did an importation, it took place at SeaWorld San Diego. So, I got to go out back to San Diego and hang out for two weeks and work with those birds and then bring them back to Cincinnati, which was cool. And that'll be happening again this, t- this time, though. Like, I'll be going out and helping set up the process, but we'll be doing it at SeaWorld again. So, awesome. it's kind of cool to go and, you know,
1: hang out in the place I used to live. And there's a lot of people I still keep in contact with out there. So it's kind of cool.
0: That's awesome.
1: And yeah. the African penguins, they are warm weather too. They are. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Now with their habitat, switching it up just a bit, yeah. they were originally just part of their own species, right? So part of their own habitat. It was just an African species habitat. Yeah. But then with their new penguin point habitat, we've got a few mixed birds in there as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So we have a uh, great white corn or I'm sorry, great white pelicans and uh, white-breasted cormorants as well. And a yellow-billed duck, which is really cool. Um, we like to add other bird species to some of our exhibits. Um, I think it just kind of mixes it up a little bit. Because, you yeah, have penguins, and everybody likes penguins, but all of us in the birdhouse, we're all bird geeks. And so it's like, yeah, penguins are cool, but have you seen a great white pelican? It's and a pterodactyl, by the way. It, it <laughs> is. And, <laughs> and like, honestly, huge. I read all the stats on how big they were, did not realize how big they were until they got here. I was yeah. like, oh, my Lord, these are huge. Like... And they're, they're just gigantic. They are so big. Like, craziest thing I've ever seen, you know, but uh, pretty fascinating. We also have other birds, though, in Rue Valley with, uh, with the little penguins as well, though. So we do have those other duck species. The, That's true. The New Zealand
1: scop, the freckled duck, and Australian wood ducks, too, so... Now, is there any challenge introducing the species together with them being separate to begin with and opening up the new habitats with the mixed species?
2: The little penguins, no. Uh, Little penguins and their waterfowl friends, no. Um, The African penguins, they're a little bit more of an aggressive species than, say, little penguins are. Um, The great white pelicans are so large. I, I have seen them kind of stand off a little bit. Like, the African penguins are like, hey, you're in my nest site, and they do. They're like their defensive stance stuff and the pelican just walks away or seeing the pelican snap a little bit, but there's really no aggression between the species. Uh, I think it does help that the pelicans are just so huge.
1: And then the cormorants just kind of stay off to themselves uh, and do cormorant things, you know, which is fun to watch, <laughs> but yeah. What have been some learning processes that I guess you didn't foresee with habitats that are being built? I know that you have been part of the process throughout the whole thing, yeah. which is help alleviate most of the issues if there were to be any but was there yeah. anything that you didn't foresee happening um
2: uh, there's been quite a few uh anytime you build a brand new exhibit as jenna would know this being in a brand new space there's always some like kinks to work out and uh we've we've had a few like you know overall air temperature and that's that's been a thing you know uh, being too cold in with little penguins and you know we need a little bit warmer temperature in that holding space you know african penguins are kind of dealing with that right now but because it is a Super Blizzard right now, um, which we're dealing with that in that space. Um, that's been an issue, like uh, water quality issues we've had. You know, just getting the new filtration systems running—that's been kind of a challenge.
0: Are you using uh, the recycled rainwater in those spaces? We are, also? yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, they, I believe, they applied to be lead lead platinum, I think, for those spaces, or at least for Little Penguin, I believe, because it's part of root Valley. Um, no, I think root Valley overall is going to be in that, um, but that we use geothermal to heat that whole area. So that's heating the pool and heating the building. Um, So we did have some challenges with that. Whereas, you know, the pool was about 40,000 gallons and the indoor pool was about 8,000 gallons. So we have a lot of water space, um, which is crazy, you know, compared to what we used to have. Um, And so heating that pool space up, you know, into the sixties and then heating that large indoor airspace with the same geothermal, I think we've we found some issues with that, but we're getting all of that figured out now. Um, you know, and like we have heated rocks out on the exhibit of Roo Valley um, for the little penguins, and that's ran by geothermal too. Um, but then, you, you know, you're just little tiny things like that, which in the overall structure of the building. Everything is totally fine, but it's just these little tiny things where you're like, oh, okay, that, now we're, we're aware of this. Or, you know, um, it was primarily a challenge just during the construction where when we moved the birds out, moved them to a temporary space, that's when we had challenges. Um, just going through those changes and then waiting for the exhibit to be done. That was the most stressful. But right now, this is all like cruise control now, honestly. Um, yeah. But the, that temporary phase was really a struggle. Um, but luckily, to our bird team's credit, we didn't lose any of our birds during that process. So that was, that was a pretty awesome thing for us, you know, to like not have that, because little penguins don't do well with stress. And now we move them to a temporary space. It's a way different space than what they were used to. And then after all those challenges, then we move them to another brand new space. Then you have those challenges again where it's like, what the heck's going on? Then we let them outside, another new change, you know. And so just all these things happen. Like when we put them in the first, the first time we put them in the holding space, we had birds that swam for, I want to say, a couple weeks straight. Like didn't get out. And since so when they're in the pool like that, they're not coming out to eat. So we had some issues with, like, getting them to eat a little bit more. So it was like, all right, cool, we gave you this great huge pool and you're using it. Now you're using it too much, so we have to block you <laughs> off from it and make sure you're eating. So uh, very challenging, but, again, uh, our bird team, I think we knocked it out of the park. And it was, it was a whole team effort, too. It wasn't just one or two people. It was, it was the entire team, which was great.
0: That's great. I'm glad it wasn't too challenging overall. Yeah. yeah and it yeah. worked out. And the I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I would do it again, <laughs> right. building
2: two new exhibits in the same year. I don't think I would do that again. Yeah. But, yeah. Good times.
0: So I have a question. What's your favorite species of penguin?
2: Favorite species? Um, I would say favorite species. Uh, so I, I've been lucky. I've worked with 10 species out of, se- out of wow. the 17. So that's like my geek moment of like, yeah, I'd love to get all 17. I don't think it's going to happen. But... Um, out of the ones I've worked with, I would say Gentoo's are my favorite, which unfortunately we don't have here, but our, our polar exhibit, we're like not even talking about that exhibit, but no, that's like a really cool exhibit too, but um, we do, it's not really set up for Gentoo's unfortunately, um, but they're one of the goofiest penguin species that, that I, I think they're really interesting. Um, they're the third largest, which nobody okay. talks I about. I didn't know them. that. Yeah. yeah, they're the third largest, um, so they're a good sized bird, um, but really fascinating, um, out of the ones I have not worked with, I think the yellow-eyed penguin is pretty fascinating.
0: Didn't even know that existed. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yellow-eyed penguin is the rarest. Okay. They're the um, forest penguin,
2: right? They are the forest penguin. Yeah. yeah they're <laughs> in Tell New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> so they like coastal forests, like right off the coast. You know, old, like growth old growth forest or whatever, like off the coast. So they're the Yellow-eyed Penguin Trust out in New Zealand. One of the things they do is they just go out and plant trees on these like old reclaimed farmland. Because, you know, New Zealand, you know, they cut all of, like a lot of the forest down, had sheep farms mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, there's, like, actually documents that you can find online, which are just funny. It's like, how to coexist with penguins, you know? <laughs> and it's, like, written by, like, the agriculture department, which I just think is really funny. Wow. Um, but, yeah, really cool. They're the oldest living penguin species on the planet, so I think they're fascinating. They look very similar to Gentoo's, uh, only they have, like, the yellow feathers are, like, on the top of their head and kind of in this weird, almost like X-Men look. You know, huh. the old X-Men from like the 90s, not like the X-Men now.
1: I don't know, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, you know about <laughs> yeah.
0: after this. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, what's your favorite Penguin? I know you have a favorite.
1: The Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> yeah. I know. I honestly, I love the Magellanics that we have yeah. here. Just... They have a special place in my heart because they're just mischievous on tours. They, like, <laughs> they are. When we go in the habitat, they like to play with people's shoelaces and stuff. Ben and Jerry, the dynamic Jerry, <laughs> duo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're fun. So, yeah. I'm, honestly, Cody, I'm surprised you didn't say Humboldt. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> Humboldt, yeah. You guys know my, my, my stance on that. Humboldts, just for the record, are the ugliest penguin species on the planet. <laughs> oh, man. They, Look them up. They're hideous. Like, yeah. You look at, well, Especially when you bring up Magellanic, which that's a close cousin. They're... They're a gorgeous-looking bird. You look at their face; everything about a Magellanic penguin—they're pretty. They're a pretty-looking bird. You look at a Humboldt side by side, and they
1: are just atrocious.
2: They are. I, I'm not going to make any friends with that statement, and I'm fine with that. Like that, that, that is my. Stance. There's somebody
1: out there just writing a letter right now, yeah. dear Cody. That's fine. I will totally
2: respond too, and I'll be like, look, I'll send you a picture of a Humboldt and say, "Look at this, hideous." No, I do. I do have a funny story with Humboldt. Um, so, with at SeaWorld they had a Humboldt Colony and they used to have an old enclosure off of um, it was back, back it basically went into Mission Bay. And so we had to like get them out of the space to put them in a new area. And so you have a bunch of penguins who are swimming in the water, how do you get them out of the water? We all had to put wetsuits on and basically go grab penguins out of the water or just at least move them in. But I, I will say, highlight of my career, I caught a penguin while treading water. In an exhibit. Wow. wow. That was cool. Um, yeah. I, it was one of those moments where it's was
0: swim like. swim by you and you grabbed it? Yeah. Did, did, yeah it, it, it,
2: it actually surfaced like right by me. And I was Cody like. Cody oh. was porpoising <laughs> yeah. alongside of yeah. it. You know? It popped up right by me. And I just snagged it. And it was
1: good. Yeah. It was, it was uh, a fun time. That's funny. Yeah. But they're still ugly. Oh. <laughs> I can't wait for those letters. I, I will yeah. send them over to you. Yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll respond to all of them. No, oh, maybe we should have like a penguin pageant here sometime. You know, and we, we could we, we could have like a ranking of the best looking penguins. Yeah. And if the humble comes any place except last, you have to like make a public apology or something like that. Uh, I, I'm gonna hold that I stance. Know, you know? okay. like, like, it is funny too, like because you know, beauty
2: is in the eye of the beholder, right? But if you talk to Dr. Campbell here, he will tell you that king penguins are the prettiest penguins. Well and and, I, I and they, are. Can, yeah. they are. They're gorgeous. They they are gorgeous. They are a favorite of mine too. Like it's really hard to just pick one that's like, Yeah, I really okay. really like this one. But kings are gorgeous and they are a favorite of mine. I mean, they're they're they are very regal and majestic looking. When we do our penguin parades and you know, we're walking through the zoo, like it's pretty interesting to see. I was
0: going to say, we should at least mention that I know we were focusing more on the new habitats during this episode and we could do an episode on one single species of penguin and there's yeah. enough to talk about but i think something that's really neat that we do here at the cincinnati zoo is the penguin parade with the king penguins yeah uh king penguins aren't too common in zoos are um they
2: they're, they're, there's a little bit more than you would think okay yeah uh it's like them and their close cousin the emperor penguin there's there's like one zoo in the country that has emperors. Those are really really yeah. Old. You're and not Gina, gonna like yeah. there's like three zoos in the world that have okay. them, and like one happens to be in San Diego. So I got to work with them too, wow. um, which is really cool to see the differences between kings and emperors. Like you know honestly, Is
0: the size difference that much.
2: It, it is uh, it, not so much the height. So kings go three feet tall and about forty pounds, whereas emperors go three and a half and up to ninety. What? So yeah, they're pound they're pretty wow. big. Yeah, it, they're they're thick. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's it's really crazy to, to even see them side by side, too. Yeah. Because like, uh, SeaWorld, when I was there, they had a few king penguins in that colony as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, they're pretty cool. But I do think just kings are prettier out of those two. They're just more regal looking.
0: And here, at a certain time, um, penguin we have penguin days, and you can mm-hmm. come to the zoo for half price and see our king penguins walk right next to you through the yeah. crowd, and they, yep. they seem to be happy to... Do it correct. And yeah, like, yeah, it's it's a it's a little exercise and enrichment yeah. for them.
2: Yeah, it's it's cool. It Get them outside. Get some natural vitamin D. Um, it's it is a good enrichment for them because they're seeing a lot of new things. Uh, it's a very different experience for them, you know, from their day to day, which is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, like like you said, they're walking right beside you, you know. Um, which is, which is pretty cool to see. Is know? there
0: anywhere else that does that, that you know of? Or is that-
2: I, I know some uh, other zoos do that. Um, some places will put them on a wagon and pull them around. <laughs> we think that's silly. Yeah. So, no, uh, I, I know there are some other facilities though that they'll like, kind of walk out like a back door of one of their buildings and people can line up and then they walk directly down the building to another space. Um, there's some zoos in Europe that do it as well, um, but I think we have the best parade in America. Uh, I will stand on that hill as well. So. But yeah, something something <laughs> else
0: that we do here at the Cincinnati Zoo that's really cool and you can check out and um, have a king penguin walk right next to you. Yep. Yeah, so it's not yeah. something
1: you could Yeah, it's in. no extra charge except for the admission price that would just even have price. So yeah. definitely a yeah, good thing to check out again if you're listening to this in June, look forward to it <laughs> in January and <laughs> yeah. February. Yeah, I think we're getting pretty close to our question. I do have one more question though that I think I, I want to clear the air about mm. penguins and pebbles. So... Uh, we, we, we have seen a lot of proposals here at the zoo and a lot of people want to incorporate a pebble into it, especially if the person they're proposing to is a big penguin fan Yeah, is it true that penguins gift a pebble to their mate for, in, for their life, to mate for life
2: uh, so I'm going to ruin everybody's perspective <laughs> no. on penguins uh, Yeah, in, in the Disney world yes, uh, in the real world no um, a big thing, penguins don't mate for life um they are monogamous um in the bird world that means one mate per season there are birds that mate for life you know like some parrot species yeah that that happens um penguins though it's they are monogamous for that season um the next year could be the same bird a lot of times it's not uh the pebble thing um i brought up gentus earlier um i have had gentoos bring me rocks before and they like do this weird they drop it at your feet and they like do this weird bow and make this horrible raspy noise like eh, you're like
1: great (laughs) thanks um
2: but it's 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 them basically the the whole pebble thing is is all based around nest building not so much like we humans giving you know our chosen one a diamond or something like it's and that's kind of how it all gets kind of romanticized with with us humans in regards to penguins and so yeah they they don't mate for life um it's a cool story for like you know the happy feet movies but the reality of it is like like they they can pair up with that mate but statistically it's really low even here at the zoo super low you know, like, and, and that's just one of those things, like, they can pair up, but it's just, I mean, the, the whole process is fascinating, though, yeah. like, when you think about it, like, yeah, for sure. you know, they, they memorize each other's vocalizations, you know, after, you know, they go through the breeding behaviors, you know, they copulate, they memorize each other's vocalization, and then, you know, they can find each other in, like, a large group of penguins. That's, like, when you think of a king penguin, you've got 80,000 birds in one spot, you know, like, after the chicks hatch, you know, the male and female both do the incubation. Uh, where the emperor penguin is the only one where the male does the entire incubation. All other penguin species, the male and female, both incubate. Um, So, you know, they go out to sea and they come back to this large group of 80,000 birds and they vocalize and they memorize each other's vocalization and they can actually find each other. So that part of Happy Feet is true.
0: I did not know that. Yeah,
2: that's fascinating. When when we hear it, it's like, you hear like a wet trumpet. It's like a very brash sound. They're hearing all the stuff that we're not. And that's really cool. So it's, You know, Happy Feet, it was Hugh Jackman and Nicole Kidman singing or whoever the actors and actresses were. (laughs) But it was somebody like that. Uh, and they were singing this beautiful song. But in reality, it's this weird, wet trumpet sound. But they can they can <laughs>
1: <laughs> memorize that.
2: But that's fascinating. Yeah, uh,
1: it definitely is. And if you were proposed to in that way, I am not proposal shaming you right now. <laughs> no, no, If you were all. still thinking about proposing yeah. that way, go ahead. I Do just it. Yeah. wanted Seriously. you to have that information. <laughs> Use your just... pebble as your diamond ring. <laughs> exactly. You know? there you that, save some money, money right? Totally yeah, that's, you know? that's great. Um, but, no, Talk the, about a rock. Yeah, you know? the,
2: the proposals are, are great, though. I think it's really interesting, like... My wife wouldn't have liked that, (laughs) you know? So if you you have somebody that really likes penguins, do it. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah. Um, We enjoy them too anyways. Yeah. I I love, I love every proposal that we do. So Jenna, do you want to ask it?
0: Yeah. So Cody, (laughs) what can I do? How can I help penguins? How can I help be a better steward of the earth? Yeah. What can
2: I do? I think, um, I think one of, one of my favorite ways is to just be an educated consumer. That is I think the best way. And, you know, there's a free app on, you know, Apple-based and uh, Android-based devices. It's by the Monterey Bay Aquarium. It's the Seafood Watch Guide. It's pretty fascinating. You can... So when you're buying seafood, you can bring up this app and say, Oh, hey, this fish is good to buy. This fish I should avoid. And then it breaks it down, too, as, as to say, like, Well, this fish I should avoid because of these reasons. And I think that's fascinating. You know, and it's not just like, oh, chemicals in the fish. It's, oh, this is overfished. Or hey, this fishing method, the bycatch is sea turtles or dolphins. You know, so that's a super easy way to be involved. Um, just being educated about your purchases. And that, and that can go into other aspects as well, like the clothing you buy. And, you know, not to rep any specific brands. But, like, if you think of, like, Patagonia, they have a very strong environmental policy for a business. So, yeah, you're paying a little bit more money up front. But, you know, like, I have a Patagonia raincoat I've had for quite a few years. Yes, it was $100 when I bought it. But if it lasts 15 years, that's fantastic. And then when it breaks, I can send it back to them and then get it back and get it fixed. And then I don't have to go buy another one. And then, you know, I'm reducing trash and all that other fun stuff. So I think that's a really great way for people to to really get involved. Because how do you tell people to get involved with an animal that they are not going to see in the Ohio River? They're not going to see out in there. In their backyard you know that's that's a really tough one you know so uh, start by being like educate yourself on all this stuff you
0: know absolutely so yeah if you guys are interested you can download the seafood watch app and it'll just help you know you can be at a restaurant and use it yeah you can be in the grocery store but like Cody said there are a lot of issues with illegal fishing or overfishing and it affects animals other than just the fish and it's an easy way for you to just make a little bit of a difference without oh, yeah. too much work just download Another app, if you have any storage left on your
1: phone, because yep. everything yeah. requires an app
0: these yeah. days. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Delete a couple pictures and you'll be yeah. fine, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's addicting, though, so watch out, because you'll get on there and you'll be like, I didn't know this. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, this comes from this? Okay. Yeah. It, it is. My, my wife definitely gets annoyed with me when we're at, like,
2: the seafood counter, you know, and I'm like, oh, whoa, what about, what about this? Like, just just pick fish, you know, just, okay, we'll go with this one, you know, this one's good. So.
0: But yeah, if we don't, if we're reducing the amount of specific fish that we're eating, then they won't... Be making as much money and therefore hopefully won't be fishing for those fish as much and make a difference right yeah. i mean that's how it can well, help it, it's and-
2: well, well that also but paired with if you really think about the fishing industry and how much fish we are using like you know i eat a lot of fish because I, I enjoy fish and it's, i guess maybe because i'm a penguin keeper and i work with fish every day and I, I smell like fish all day every day so i might as well just eat fish too um, but <laughs> Um, when you think about how much fish we use, like as a zoo and just the bird department, we're using 66 pounds a day. Wow. We're not a very large zoo. You know, there are a lot of places that are using 1,000 pounds of fish a day. So even as an institution like us, we have to be smart about it as well. Because there is going to be a point where there's not that much fish, and then what do we do? So we have to kind of you know utilize that with a, hey, this company's overfishing this type, hey, maybe we should kind of stop that and go a different direction, you know? so one challenge for us as as a zoo is we're constantly constantly looking at other fish like what we can get and what's going to be the best quality and the best nutrition for those birds because if a penguin doesn't have fish then what's it going to eat i can't like throw a bale of hay to it or you know like like sub in you know like a hamburger or anything like that that's not going to work you know
0: right yeah so Great, I think that's a great, what can I do? Cody,
1: thanks for coming and and talking to us today. That was very informative. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always love to talk penguins. For sure. So I'm Sam. I'm Jenna. And this is Cincinnati Zoo Tales.